Welcome, everybody, to the Kona Shame Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke. Guys, I am here with one of my good friends. Uh, we went to vet school together. Uh, she has, uh, gosh, she's done so much for our profession. She is one of the funniest, most fun people that I have met in my life. Dr. Mary Gardner is here on the podcast. We are talking about her new book, It's Never Long Enough. A Practical Guide for Caring for Your Geriatric Dog. She has uh, A Practical Guide for Caring for Your Geriatric Cat coming out later this year. Man, she tells stories from the uh, from the book, and you will see uh, you'll see why she's amazing. And honestly, guys, uh, I gotta I'm gonna gonna sit down and read this book because uh, she sold me on it. That what she's doing is just awesome. And um, you know, it's hard to believe that somebody could talk about geriatric care and end of life care and make it uplifting and fun and interesting and she crushes it so anyway guys i'll show you let's get into this episode this is your show we're glad you're here we want to help you in your veterinary career welcome to the cone of shame with dr andy rourke Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Mary Gardner. How are you? I'm good, Andy. How are you? Man, I'm good. It's good to see you again. I know. Listen, we, we go way back. Yes, we do. <laughs> I had that thought uh, getting ready for this. I was like, we have to be careful. It's going to become one of those remember in vet school episodes. Uh, and I'm, I'm not going to let that happen. But okay, we, could we totally, won't. But it's, we it's could like totally 18 years now or something ridiculous when we first met. It is. Yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, time flies by. Look at uh, look at us. We 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 were, we were vastly different places than when we met. But yeah, um, you are for those who don't know one of the co-founders of Lap of Love Vet Hospice. You are an entrepreneur. You do a lot of different things. You are a wonderful lecturer and really funny person and uh, a light in veterinary medicine. And you're also an author. You have a new book out. Uh, it's yeah. called It's Never Long Enough, A Practical Guide to Caring for Your Geriatric Dog. So, yeah, what is that like? It's a lot of work, let me tell you. But it, it's something I've wanted to, to, to write for many years because doing end-of-life care, you, you see some, some hot messes. You see yeah. some jalopies, right? Yeah. And with having, having the lens of being able to go to somebody's homes, I, I saw so many families struggle with their older pets and not and not know how to practically care for them in the home and whether they were seen by their veterinarian or not for their last year of life which is a sad statistic in in itself yeah a lot of us vets focus just on the medicine and don't know like what's the best harness to recommend what about all the booties that are available what do you do when the dog is pooping all over the house how do you clean it and so the the families were lacking that that practical home care and I think just doing hospice, that's a big part of hospice is, is the environmental setup along with palliative care. Uh, so, so I just have been wanting to write this for the pet owner for a long time. You know, we, we helped write a textbook for veterinarians, but I just wanted something for the, for the pet owners. However, it's really good for everybody, technicians, yeah. pet, you know, veterinarians. And it's pretty comprehensive. I, I started it probably over three years ago. And it's it's like 500 pages. It's pretty yeah. long. It's called It's Never Long Enough. That's that's the story of you writing the book. It's it's <laughs> I had to stop. It was horrible. But 
And you know, it's it, 500 pages. It's five. It's a 500 page book. It's not, this is not a pamphlet that you put out. No, it's, it's, so first of all, it's a real book. You get it on Amazon. I'll put links in the show notes. Uh, it is, there's nothing uh, second tier about this. It is a hundred percent gold star all the way. It's a, it's a real thing. And there's like 250 pictures and it's all color. Like wow. I didn't, I didn't want to be, uh, I, I wanted it to be, to be, yeah, gold standard. There yeah, no, I'm, I say that, I say that jokingly, but I say, but I say that fully impressed with what you've put together. It's amazing. Well, you know, and, and so let's be honest, how many of us wish that we had time to walk through with pet owners and talk about these things? And yeah. we know that pet owners have tons of questions, but just basic things are, what am I looking for in a harness? And, and they don't even know to ask about a harness. They don't know what they don't know. They don't 100%. know that that's a, a, a thing that they should even consider. And so when they don't even know what questions to ask us, how can we support them? And I think that it's amazing that you took your your knowledge from going into people's homes, from working, doing hospice care for what? You guys started Lap of Love in 2009? 2009, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, 12 years, 13 years 13 at this point? 13 years. It's crazy. Um, yeah. And like, that's been your, that's been what you do. It's been your passion. So 13 years of, of being in people's homes, you said, this is what I see people struggling with, or this is the, the things that, that I wish I could tell them or that they have asked along the way. So go, this is an amazing resource because most of us, we love to have those, you know, quality of life conversations, yeah. you know, ways to help pet owners. But most of us don't have time to really unpack those sorts of things. And I don't know. I, I tell you, I'm one of those people where when I have a, a complex problem or I have something that's significant in my life, I like to read about it. Like I'm a I'm a reader. Give me a give me a book to sit down with and, and get what I need. And that's that's how I learn. I can see you doing that. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah. I I have the most eclectic book collection from different passing fancies in, in my life, you know. Oh, that's I, awesome. Uh, Listen, I had to recently clear out my bookshelves. I, I was getting a little analysis paralysis. Like, well, so I, I, I dumped about a hundred books recently, but I'm like you too. I just take little bits and, and, uh, and I, I'm a, a little sponge. Yeah. I need to, I need to purge books. I still have, <laughs> I still have all of our books from vet school. <laughs> okay. Listen, I, I threw out a lot. There's a few I kept internal medicine. Yeah. Like I'm going to go back and be like, let's go back. Let's check back in 2006. See what internal medicine standards were. That why do I have that? I don't know, but I, I do exactly. <laughs> I love it. So yeah. So so let's start to let's start to unpack this a little bit. So so when you start when you sat down to to write this book, were there major things you were like these are the takeaways that I really want to hammer home, or were, were there objectives that you had in creating the book where you're like I really want pet owners to understand these concepts, or these are areas that I don't feel like they're getting from conversations they're having with vets now? Uh, I think a little bit of all of that. I There's repetitive conversations I would have in the homes over and over and over again. So I'm like, okay, definitely have that. But one thing I wanted to do is not create a book about all the diseases a pet gets, or, you know, right. in this case, it's dogs. I'm, I'm working on the cat book. That'll be out this summer. But wow. it's, I didn't want just diabetes, you know, the, the list of all, yeah. the, all the diseases. But I wanted to focus on the ailments that they that they struggle with and how to help them. So, for instance, mobility, which is, you know, number one issue I see in older dogs. And so whether they've got arthritis or a disc issue or DM or whatever it may be. And my girl, Sam, she had cancer in her spinal cord, like <laughs> random. Yeah. And so no matter what the problem is, 
uh, or the diseases rather, the problem is they can't move. They can't get up yeah. and down rail. So how do we help support the family? How do we set up the home to do that? Uh, same thing with incontinence, whether it's because you've got diabetes or just a bad sphincter, how do we keep pets clean and, yeah. and keep the home sane? <laughs> because it's not easy when you have an incontinent pet, uh, number one or number two. So I wanted to focus a portion of the book on just the ailments. And then there were, for the dog, there were, though, a few diseases that I just wanted to shout out that really are very geriatric focused. So, for instance, LARPAR okay. is is one that just needed needed a chapter. And probably because I had a dog with LARPAR, so I had to give it a yeah. little nod. Sure. No, I get that. I I. I love I love that you think of it that way. It's so easy for us as doctors to look at disease uh, and to classify it as disease symptoms. And, and when you were saying that, I was like, I would totally do that. I would. You know what I mean? I would. And I just I'm an explainer. And so I would want them to understand the mechanisms of diabetes and what this means and blah, blah, blah. The truth is they don't they don't care. Like their doctors working with them to manage it. They really need they don't need um, to understand the pathology. They need to understand the symptoms and managing and basically kind of home nursing care in a lot of ways. I, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Right. And it's, you know, the dogs, they're panting and pacing. Is it because they're on steroids or they've got a cognitive dysfunction? And yeah. how do we settle them down? How do we keep them sane and us sane? And and so it is it is a lot of a lot of nursing care. And I've learned so much from families over the years. You know, they they taught me a lot of home hacks. Yeah. And I'm like, I never would have thought of that. And they're just amazing. So I put so much into that book. I have, you know, I mentioned over 200 pictures and a lot were, they're all from the families I learned from. And so they were, they were all so happy to be a part of this book too and have their pets like help others along the way. Oh, I bet that was, I bet those were wonderful phone calls or emails oh. to send when you're like, hey, I'm writing a book to help pet owners and yeah. I have pictures of your pet uh, from back in the day. Can I use this as an example of someone who figured a thing out that was going to be helpful? I bet they, I bet they loved they, it. They were, they were like, I have more. Andy, like they, <laughs> they, they were loving it. And so this is when I lecture in a, to, to veterinarians and I say, okay, our websites, look at your website. It's all puppies, kittens, and adults. You have no geriatric old dogs or cats mm. on your website. Yeah. And you need to have some education on your website about how to, how to manage these symptoms. And trust me, your pet owners will send their pictures in, will send the videos in, all that stuff. I remember this one, one woman, her dog, Murdog, uh, I wanted to show her her kitchen, and she had all the bath mats in the kitchen, and they were they were like matched up so that the you know the patterns were matching of all the bath mats that she. <laughs> That's wanted. amazing. She tried to do it cute, and so I said, "Hey, can I you know can I share this picture in the book?" And so she's like, "Oh, but look at my countertop; it's so dirty." <laughs> Nobody's looking at your countertop; they're looking at Murdog and all his bath mats. It was great. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really really great. What uh, what did you learn doing the dog book that you're going to do differently in the cat book because of? Oh, to try to keep it under 175,000 words? Uh, yeah. No, um, yeah. <laughs> it was, it, it's, um, you know, I wanted to have stories in it too because, you know, so many people will remember more things about a story and connect with stories. Yeah. So I wanted to have a lot of stories and I think I've helped more dogs than I have cats. Then uh, just like us in GP2, you'll see 30% cats or whatever the statistic is. And so I, uh, I'm 
I'm finding it harder to go back in the in the history of my brain for some of those yeah. cat stories. Not that I want to. I want to have more cat stories. Yeah. So um, I probably won't do too much different. I think, you know, I, I, I actually started this book with both species in mind. So I was building it with both. And the publishers that I was talking to, they, they all said, you got to split it up. So I was almost done with it. And they're like, you got to split it. So then I took about five months to, to take out the cats. So I, yeah. I have to now put the cats back in. But um, they just said they're, they're, different, they're different species, right? They're, the owners are different. The, the, the families are different. And there's more cat owners out there. And I think we focus so much on dog stuff that oh, yeah. I hope they'll, they'll, they'll appreciate it, if you will. But um, there's, and the, the sad part is a lot of research has been done in dogs more than cats. So, you know, I'm struggling to find some of that. And, you know, I'll just have to say this is the stuff that's been done on dogs, but we haven't done the same research yeah. on longevity and things like that. But um, but I hope that it's going to be just as just as helpful for them uh, as as it is for the dog, the doggies. Yeah, I I think I think there's truth to that of, you know, splitting them out versus putting them together. And just in the way that dog owners and cat owners are very different people. And I think that uh, I think that they'll probably find it more accessible if they say, no, this is a cat book uh, or this is a dog book as, as opposed to rolling them together. Yeah, yeah. So there's the first section of the book. It's, it's broken into four parts. And the first part is all about aging. And so why does a big dog not have as long of a lifespan as a little dog? And what yeah. are the things that we could do to help extend their, their lifespan and things like that? But for cats, it's, they're very similar, usually the same size. And so it'll be a little bit, a little bit shorter but yeah. there's still so many things that we could do to help keep our, our pets living living a lot longer. And, you know, even even some of the ways that we memorialize our pets, it can be very similar, but there's also differences in how we may do that. Hey, everybody. I just want to jump in real quick with a couple of updates. This week over on the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast, which is the other podcast I do with the one and only Stephanie Goss. I'm not on that episode. Stephanie Goss is talking about information security. Are you storing data in your practice like you're supposed to? Guys, this is not an area where you want to get burned. If you are not up to date or you're kind of feeling like, ooh, I should probably listen to that, <laughs> head over to the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast and check it out. Uncharted Workshops coming at you guys on May the 21st, which is just a couple of days after this episode comes out at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, Stephanie Goss. She is teaching our workshop, Retain Your Team, Speak the Languages of Appreciation in Your Workplace. Guys, you're trying to get your team motivated. You're trying to keep morale up. You're trying to keep uh, people engaged. You want your team to stick around, to enjoy the work that they're doing, and to feel like they matter to you and to the patients. Guys, are you talking about appreciation in your workplace? Are you doing it effectively? If not, jump in. This is uh, this is a little bit higher level. We had a, an entry-level appreciation workshop. This is a bit more down into the nitty-gritty. Um, I, I, think, I think people can get a lot out of it. It is $99 to the public. It is free to our Uncharted members. I'll put a link down in the show notes below. On June the 8th, my friend Bill Schroeder, a veterinary marketing specialist, CEO of InTouch Veterinary Marketing, uh, he is going to be doing his lecture. It's not a lecture, it's a workshop called Creating Content That Clients Crave. This is all about you spending your time smartly to make resources that educate clients, they answer questions, 
that protect your reputation, that do all of the things that you wish you had content for, but you just don't have all the time in the world to make. Most of us are spending too much time doing things like posting stupid social media stuff. Guys, it's time to get a strategy. It's time to get smart about how we communicate digitally. Bill Schroeder is the guy to do that. It is $99 to the public. It is free for Uncharted members. Guys, both of those things are coming up. I'm gonna put links to both of them in the show notes. Let's get back into this episode. Can you talk a little bit about that? That's one of the things that that uh, you talk a lot about, and I always take notes, whether they're mental or physical notes. But <laughs> when we talk about honoring pets and memorializing pets, this is something that you think a lot about. I really like the way that you think about it. So when you start to to approach a conversation with a pet owner about memorializing your their pets, uh, or they sort of say, "Hey." how I, I really want to remember, I want to remember my pet or I want to honor my pet's memory. H- how do you sort of approach that conversation? What are the things that you think are important as far as talking to pet owners about after their pet has passed and the memories of their pets? Oh, such a good question, Andy. I The first and most important thing I think as veterinary professionals is to not judge. Yeah. And, you know, I'll lecture to, to, to clinicians and, and say, you know, when even when the receptionist is on the phone saying, do you want his ashes back or not? actually just saying it that way, I, I, I don't like, because that mm-hmm. is, do you want his ashes back or not? It's almost like saying not getting ashes back means you love them less. And that yeah. is further from the truth. There are plenty of us that may not want the ashes back of our pet, right? So yeah. I, you know, I'll say, instead of saying that, you should say, would you like the crematory to spread the ashes for you? Or would you like them back in an urn? And so there's no judgment. So, so first off, most important, no judgment, because what you would do or I would do is, is totally different. And it doesn't, it doesn't equate to the love of our pet. Yeah. So, um, but I love to have all the options because I think a lot of people are scared to ask because they may think we're judging. And, uh, and that is not, you know, that's not true either. So we're, we're so, we're so set on just the ashes, but there is a lot more that we can do. And Mm -hmm you know, from, of course, the paw prints or the fur clipping. And I just like to not even offer it. I'll just do things. I just do the paw print. I don't say, do you want one? Because somebody may say no. And I've got in the book 75 different ways to memorialize your pet. That's amazing. That's (laughs) amazing. So I, you know, I talk about diamonds and, and I, you know, I just got a diamond made out of my pet's ashes because I had to try it out. Right. That's my excuse. Had to do that. And, um, and I also think that sometimes we may hear something unusual and we think that's a little crazy, but it's not. If, 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 some, if somebody wants to dehydrate their cat, you should know where that's at and, yeah. and how they can do it. And I have learned where that's at. Uh, if, okay. I just, I, I did, hold on. I'm acting like, like I'm like, yeah, I'm want, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. I can't keep this up. I, I'm sorry. Why, no. why would someone want to dehydrate their cat? Is that a thing? Listen, I have, I have no idea, but you know what? I'm also not a hunter. I no, have no I, idea why somebody would want it to put a dead deer on their wall, but okay. they do. Okay. Right. And that's, have you had someone you who want to dehydrate their cat? Uh, I, oh yes, we've had. Or did you make that up? <laughs> I love okay. your face. I'm not, Everyone, no, I'm sorry. I'm not, wait. I'm trying to, I'm not judging. I, I'm just, I'm trying to understand. I can't, I'm not. You know what? No, you're having a natural reaction between two professionals and totally. that is, if, if this, <laughs> wait, Hold on, this I is the face I would make if the pet owner asked me to dehydrate their cat. And and I would like, I would be like, act normal, Andy. And I would not, but I wouldn't know I how to rule with that. Uh, okay. Well, so that's why you get my book. <laughs> Chapter okay, yeah, 39. No, so, I've, never, 
<laughs> I am I'm now feeling strong motivation to sit down and really go over this. That was an extreme in some ways, right? But yeah. some fam some people want their their the canine teeth and we're like, oh God, that's a mini surgery to take those out, right? But you know, uh, but it's not even just that extreme, the physical memorial items, but even maybe during the during the euthanasia, that is that is the funeral for the majority of our families, yeah. right? Although we are performing the death part of it, that is the funeral. So mm. let's make it really good. If a family wants to play harp music, let them play harp music. Mm -hmm. If the family wants to take pictures, let them take pictures. I have been on videos before and a lot of veterinarians freak out over that because they don't want somebody videotaping them doing something. But I, like I, I will do it and I'm yeah. fine with that. If that's what the family wants to do is, is memorialize this. I love my favorite thing, Andy, is bucket lists. I love them. Okay. And I think having a bucket list is so nice because it helps us do the things that we wish we would do before they would die. And, and then taking pictures during those moments, having professional photo, sh photo shoots, um, and things like that can, can really be very helpful. So we don't have to think about the, you know, creepy dehydrated cat, but maybe a, an actual photo sh shoot with them yeah. before they're dehydrated. Yeah. Before. Yes. Before. before. Yes. Before. So, um, I, I just think it's, so it's not only important not to judge, but this isn't about you, right? It's not about us. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that's totally I think that's totally important. You and I sort of laugh about it, but another way you go, this isn't my, it's not my thing, and it's not my, it's not my tradition. It's not how how I see the world or something. I'm familiar with it. Doesn't make it wrong. I'm not the arbiter of what is uh, what is correct. What is you know um, a, a an end of life ritual. I I don't I don't decide that. No, and what I love is is being a part of all those different rituals, and you know I've been in. At, at Jewish funerals, like the family is Jewish and they're bruchatal night, and they're 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 doing their prayer over it. Mm -hmm. I've been a uh, American Indian, and they've uh, you know there's just such amazing prayers and rituals. I've been atheist. I've been a part of every single kind, Buddhist, and yeah. it's just so cool to see the respect that they have for their pet that they would do for their own family member, and it's just it's just amazing. I I uh, I did some. Um, I did a, a a Facebook Live the other day on pet hospice, so for for pet owners. Yeah, and I had about a half an hour of questions afterwards. I was like, "Yeah, ask me anything." Yeah, and uh, which could be scary, but they, sure. Somebody wanted to know how long can they keep their pet after it's passed for you know, and so a lot of veterinarians would be like, uh, "Instantly needs to go in the freezer," right? Like, yeah, and that's actually not the case. So I said, "It's it's okay if you want to keep your pet for a day or two. Let me tell you what will happen." Just so you're prepared, let me tell you what rigor mortis happens and when it and when it goes away, and uh, you know how to keep them, you know, clean and air, you know, put it in air. You know, we got to be in an air conditioned location, stuff like that. And the guy was so thankful. He's like, I just want one more night with him in my house, and and that's okay. And I said, and I told him the story about I I let my girl Sam go last year, and I I did it at night. It was like eight o'clock at night, and I just wrapped her up in a blanket. Her little head was still you know out of the blanket. And I brought her the next day to the crematory myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 18 hours later, you know, she's getting cremated. But but it's not like they explode or anything. It's just yeah. so not normal for us to think about. But yeah. if a pet dies in their sleep or dies, you know, when you're not home, they're there sometimes for 12 hours. 
Okay, you- no, it, that that no that that does make sense. When you think about uh, sort of rituals that people have, you know, or, or you've talked about a bunch of different, a very different experiences, a, a big diversity of experiences. You know, I imagine being the veterinarian who's there and participating. Do you have any advice for me uh, about <laughs> when people have rituals that are not your rituals? You know, you, you yeah. they have they have a, a, a cultural r- ritual or or prayer ritual or something, and you go, I don't know anything about this. Um, I am. Yeah, just any advice for me because I want to go yeah. and be supportive, and I just go, I don't, but I don't know exactly what I'm walking into or or what my place is. Help help me help me navigate this waters a little bit. Well, the great thing about you, Andy, is that you actually are very humble, and that's the first thing to do is just be humble, ask questions, be respectful of it. Um, you know, small things that you may not think of. You know, like not walking over the pet's body, and a lot of people may just do that. They'll step over the pet, and I'm like, you can't do that. It what if this was grandma? You would not do that, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then just just simply asking the questions or how can I help? And it's not about, I said this earlier, it's not about what I would do. And I think I told you this once, Andy, and I think you liked my little joke I said once. And that was true story. I had, <laughs> I had a vet student come up to me and she said, um, I'm an atheist and families what should I tell a family if they ask me if my dog goes to the Rainbow Bridge? Oh. And so I said, okay, well, so let me just confirm this because I'm not an atheist. I was, you know, with a name like Mary. Yeah. I've been to church, right? So I, <laughs> <laughs> so I said, just to confirm, as an atheist, you don't believe in heaven, right? And so she goes, correct. And I said, all right. So if a family is asking you, does my dog go to heaven? M- most chances are they're not atheists and they just want the answer to be yes. Yes. Just say yes. Just say freaking yes, people. Who cares if you're an atheist? Just say yes. It's going to make them feel okay. Okay. And, and it really doesn't matter if you're, if you lie and go to hell because you don't believe in hell either. <laughs> yeah. There's no downside for you. Just tell them, no what they, tell them what they need to hear. Right. If you know, if you want me to hold the incense, I will do it. Like uh, whatever yeah. you need me to do. I just, I can't sing very well. So it's just being open-minded. I, I also like to, uh, for those of you who know me in person, like you do, I'm a big, I'm literally big. You're, so I'm 6'1". I'm yeah. very energetic. Uh, and I have to, I have to like shut that down a little bit and, and, and be small and yeah. be respectful of space and also be respectful of silence. And I think so many of us get in these awkward situations where we want to fill the silence with noise and chatter. And if they're doing a prayer or they've got their eyes closed, just shut up. Like, just yeah. be quiet. And, and I know that a lot of people will say like, oh, ask them how they got their pet's name and stuff like that. The last five minutes you have with your pet, you want with your pet. You don't want to be talking about nonsense to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I'm just a little fly on the wall. I, I explain the medical part of it. And I say, if there's any, if there's any other way that you want to me- honor your pet or any other rituals, I'm here to support you. Like, just tell me what I need to do. And they're all so happy that I offer that. And sometimes they're like, nope, you know, we're fine. Or they've asked me to read a poem. My Lord, I've cried so many times reading poems. Like, oh, gosh. I, yeah. it, they, and that's the other thing. People say, should I, can we cry during euthanasia? I'm like, uh, yes. Yeah. It's, it's silly if, if like to try to hold that in. Right. So, um, but you'll learn a lot from, from the family. So that way the next time it's not a total shock or surprise. Yeah. What, um, tell me about a time that, uh, 
that you had a, a hospice experience in your family. You went into you went into a home, and uh, and you had something that sort of changed your perspective. Was there something that 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 you can remember that really just kind of shook the way that you think about what you do? You know, I think I think when I first started doing this, we I was still a younger vet, right? I, I started this, you know, two doing this two years out of vet school, and so we we go in so much with caring and and or sorry, curing, caring and 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 all this the stuff that goes involved. Mm-hmm. But I remember Andy, this Andy, ha, Andy uh-huh. was the dog's name. <laughs> this is not in well for Andy. I no. <laughs> no. Okay. But, you know, I, I remember Andy and, uh, and he just, he wasn't eating very well. And it, this was in when I lived in Southern California. So Andy had seen every single specialist. And, uh, and I thought to myself, I had, I had a moment of almost imposter syndrome where I was like, what am I, DVM only, no extra letters after my name, going to help with this family? And, and I walked into Andy's house and she handed me this huge stack of medical records and everything. And, and I realized she didn't need me to read all that. Mm-hmm. She just wanted to show me that she was trying, you know, yeah. and, and that she cared. And I just put that aside and I just said, what are you struggling with? And it just really helped me shift to know that it's, it's, I have to ask first, what's the biggest problem are they dealing with? Because we could go through all the, the, the inappetence or the, or with the disease. And she just said, you know, he's not sleeping with me at night. And I want that again. And to just a shift to make sure that we, what is important to you? And it, you know, we could look at their, their disgusting teeth and talk about doing a dental, ex- you know, but, but if they're not sleeping at night at all, you got to address that first. And so I think, you know, Andy, that, that pet Andy made me remember, like, you got to start off with what's most important. What's our goals of care? And, and sometimes it's not just about the physical exam. And Andy, by the way, he was a spicy dog. I could not, mm-hmm. I, I actually couldn't touch Andy at all. And uh, I said, that's okay. That's fine. Because when Andy doesn't care that I'm here and he lets me touch him, then we know that it's definitely time. Like yeah. he's a sassafras and that's okay. And so it just it just made me aware that we could do so much with specialty and all that stuff. But having this conversation with the family, what are their goals of care? And she actually was one that wanted to know about diamonds uh, with the ashes afterwards. And yeah, I'm like, okay. I gotta look up what's the best diamond company to do. And um, it can be so simple, hospice and end of life care. It's it doesn't have to be, you know, so many people freak out over it and are and we're and are just so focused on the on the diagnosis and the in the curing, but it's just about caring. And yeah. and it, you know, I, I loved Andy that my little he's in my book too. So, yeah. <laughs> so many are so many are there. It's it's uh I remember this this other one, Bogey, he's in there too. I saw him December 10th and the family for hospice, he had lymphoma. And the family's big concern was, should they put him on the Christmas card or not? Because he's always oh, on yeah. the Christmas card. And, and I said, absolutely. I don't know if he'll be here for Christmas, right? But let's get him on the Christmas card anyway. And uh, we let him go New Year's Eve. So he made it through Christmas. Oh. But, it was, but to them, it was so important. And, to, and I said, all right, let's, I want you going every day to the beach because he loved the beach since he can still go, take videos. And they would send me videos. It meant so much. And it, it is about smelling the roses at the end. And we can sometimes forget that. And, you know, a lot, a lot of people think hospice is prolonging suffering. And it, it certainly is not. For it. it is about making sure that 
they live before they die and they live yeah. well. Yeah. Dr. Mary Gardner, you are amazing. Thank you for being here. Where can people find you online and where can they get your book? So Dr. Mary Gardner website. So drmarygardner.com. That's also all my social Instagram and things like that. So my book is available on all the um, uh, online retailers. So Books a Million, Barnes Noble and, and Amazon. Uh, so it is um, hardcover, softcover and also on Kindle. So if yeah. somebody wants to do it that way too, I I uh, I invested I, in all the ways. I was gonna say I saw it's free on Kindle Unlimited. If you have that service, it's uh yep. it's one of the things that's in there. So I'm like, oh man, yeah, look nice. at that. So awesome. there you go. Well, thank well, you, thank you for being here. Oh no, thank you, Andy, for having me. It's really it's really nice to know my classmate is supportive of what we're all doing, <laughs> and you're doing awesome things too. <laughs> go Gators. Go Gators. <laughs> And that's our episode, guys. That's what I got for you. Thanks again to Dr. Mary Gardner for being here, guys. I put links in the show notes to uh, to her book and to her social media pages. Uh, man, I hope that you guys got as much out of it as I did. Uh, check her book out if, uh, if you like. And also, if you were like, man, that's a great podcast, do me a favor and leave me an honest review. It's how people find the show. It means the world uh, to me. Wherever you get your podcast, that's the place to drop it. Gang, take care of yourselves. Be well. Remember to enjoy practice. Uh, that's what I took away from my conversation with Mary is like, you know, people are people are interesting and people are good. And we're in a neat place where we get to support people at important moments of their life. And that's a that's a good thing. That's a that's a purposeful thing. So anyway, guys, take care of yourselves. I'll see you later.